Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. As you've heard Rebecca say, this Advent we're focused on Mary's song, the words that she sings just after she's told that she'll have a baby. Now we Christians know this to be good news because Jesus' birth changed everything, but for Mary, this was probably terrifying news before it came to be the good news that we know it to be today. The angel speaks to her, tells her what's going to happen, and then after the angel departs, Mary runs off towards her cousin Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth greets her, and then Mary just bursts into song. Now, the song we call the Magnificat, and last week we asked the question, why? Why does Mary sing in such a terrifying moment? If you missed last week, we got to the conclusion that she sings because she knows that God is with her. And as it turns out, that is the only ingredient necessary for joy, the presence of God. Today I want us to ask, how? How can we sing like Mary? How can Mary teach us about what it means to be in relationship with one another? But before we turn to these words of Scripture, let's pray. Oh God, so much of faith is waiting, like a pregnant woman waiting in hope, like a people under siege holding out till relief comes, like the soul lost in the darkness, unable to see even a glimmer of light. With your word, illuminate the darkness within us. Assure us once more that you will break into this world again and again and again, just as you did so many years ago. Amen. So listen now to Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary sang,
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who is Mary talking about? She sings it. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. These are powerful words of reversal, but reversal for who? Who is she talking about? I think there are a few different options. Maybe Mary is singing about herself. So much of the best art is born of suffering and affliction. So maybe this is the masterpiece that is born of Mary's pain. We could understand her song to be saying, I am the hungry one, and God has literally filled me up with a baby who is growing in my womb. All the powerful ones who thought that God was theirs to prescribe and control, well, they're out of luck. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty indeed. This could be an autobiographical song she's singing. Or maybe this is a song about Israel. We could hear Mary's words to say, Israel is the lowly, Israel is the hungry, the other nations are the powerful ones, the other nations are the rich ones, and in the Savior Jesus, God is turning the tables upside down and restoring the fortunes of Zion. That's another possibility. Or maybe this is a song about God. You just heard Rebecca say, confession means to tell the truth. Maybe this is Mary's confession, showing us the truth of God. God is the mighty one, the powerful one, who in Jesus comes down from his throne and becomes lowly and fills the hungry with good things before he is lifted up, first on the cross and then in the resurrection and then finally in the ascension to the right hand of the throne of God. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Powerful words of reversal. But reversal for who, I still want to know. Now, last week I mentioned that Mary's song has been banned in three separate countries over the years because political leaders felt that these words were too revolutionary, too dangerous for members of their society, and so they just couldn't trust them to use them in church liturgy. Now, if these words are threatening enough to be banned from entire countries, then I can't help but wonder how those leaders were interpreting these words. I wonder which of the three interpretations would be most threatening. Is it threatening for Mary to sing a song about herself? Is it threatening for a young woman to find her voice and speak clearly and boldly of her experience? Well, sure it is. All these years later, and my lived experience would tell me that our society still doesn't quite know what to do with young women who speak up about their experiences. So maybe that's threatening. Is it threatening to hear about the reversals of a nation? Well, I'm sure for those in power, yes, it is. 
If the status quo is working in your favor, in your favor, then I imagine a prophecy about changing political power isn't welcome. If Mary is telling us the truth about God, I wonder if that's threatening to upend everything we know of God. Maybe these leaders who banned this song couldn't stand the thought of a God who would become lowly and suffer. For God to serve their means, for God to support their political purposes, God needed to be a warrior, a conqueror, a king, someone who would never topple from the throne. So I can imagine any one of these three interpretations feeling risky to those political officials who ban Mary's song from their countries. But I also wonder if there is another interpretation that may not be even more threatening, not just for political leaders, whoever they are, wherever they may be, but for us, for you and for me. You know, it's so easy to read uh, these words that sound like a prophecy, these words about reversal, and think, oh yeah, that's about somebody else. That's about them over there. So I wonder if the riskiest thing we could do is understand these words to be about us. What if these words aren't about someone else at all? What if they're not about someone from another time and another place and another country and another social order? What if the threat of these words lies in the possibility that these words are about us, you and me, right here today? What if Mary's song is meant to be sung by each of us? What if it's meant to be sung by all people of faith, no matter what time, what place, what country, what social order they find themselves in? Because what's at the heart of Mary's song is testimony. Her, she is singing and giving testimony to the ways that God has transformed her humanity, economically, socially, politically, personally. What if Mary's song is really a model for us to testify to what God is doing in each of our lives? Now, if you hear the word testimony, and you are thinking, eee, maybe I showed up to the wrong church this morning. Just bear with me for a moment. There will not be an altar call when I'm done. But I think this is important. God is in the business of transformation. And I think it's unfortunate that a lot of us mainline Protestants, I'm the leader of the charge, have developed a cringeworthy response to things that just seem a little out of line for us. In my experience, Testimony is one of those things that just doesn't seem on brand for us modest and orderly Presbyterians. But if we believe that God is truly in the business of transformation, and I do truly believe that, then we have to be able to voice how God has transformed our lives. This is good news. And that is what evangelism means, after all. Evangelism means sharing the good news. I'm so grateful to the pastor and theologian, Sam Wells, who has informed my thinking about this text, and really his writing is responsible for this sermon. He has suggested a very orderly way 
for people like you and me to begin talking about the ways that God has transformed our lives in the same way that Mary sings of transformation. He says that to sing like Mary, it's as simple as having a four-part conversation. So I want to offer you his insights about this. Now, the first thing to note is that this is a conversation. So this is not a thought exercise or a journal prompt. You actually need to find someone and speak to them. So finding someone to talk to is the first step. And then you have four things to talk about. Tell me about the ways in which you are rich. Tell me about the ways in which you are poor. Let me tell you about the ways in which I am poor. Let me tell you about the ways in which I am rich. If you want to sing Mary's song, those are the four pieces of the conversation you need to have. Now, he imagines a conversation happening between two friends, and I'm going to use his language so you can get a sense of how this might go. Tell me about the ways in which you are rich, you might say. And your friend might respond, I appreciate the way you see me for what I am, and not just for what I am not. My childhood was difficult, but I feel rich in the number and variety of people my parents brought into my life. My education wasn't very successful on paper, but I feel rich in the way that I've learned to read people. I've never lived in a luxurious home, but I feel rich in the wonder of birds and their song. I've never had much money, but I have a wealth of friends. And then you'd follow up and say, okay, now tell me about the ways in which you are poor. And your friend might say back, you're probably expecting me to talk about how I can't pay rent and can't find a job. But the real way I feel poor is when I see a person who's a lot worse off than me and I feel powerless to help them. I feel poor when I see a newcomer to this country trying to get by and I can't speak enough of their language to help. I feel poor when I think of my daughter who died when she was just two years old and I was 19 and I miss her. I'm still overcome with that grief. And then the conversation would continue and you'd say, may I tell you about the ways in which I am poor? And your friend will say, of course, so you'll go on to share. All my life I've struggled with envy and jealousy. I've always felt at odds with my siblings, like it's a competition. And because of that, I've never been able to trust my achievements. It feels like it could all disappear in a moment's notice. In some ways, I have a lot, but I've never been able to enjoy what I do have. And I don't know if I've ever trusted anyone enough to show them who I really am. But I'm also rich. Let me tell you how. I've always had the ability to concentrate. I can listen or read or even be silent and pray for hours. And I can paint. I can paint anything and make it laugh and spring to life. Now, wouldn't that be an amazing conversation to have with a friend? You would each share the ways that you are rich and the ways that you are poor. Now, you may finish and say, that was wonderful, and you could stop the conversation there. That's fine. 
But if you're inclined to keep going, that's how you know that you're in real relationship with someone. And you may even find yourself saying to your friend, now you've told me about how you're rich and how you're poor, but let me tell you about how you are rich and how you are poor. You're rich because your laugh is infectious and exciting. You're rich because every child you've ever met loves you. You're rich because you've already been through the very worst that life can bring, so you get to live without fear. But you're poor too. You're poor because you've got a servant's heart, but no one wants what you have to offer right now. You're poor because you want to do something useful to others and you can't find a way to do it. That's real relationship. And that's how Mary's song comes to life in our lives. When we begin to honestly name our poverty and our riches and be in relationship with others who will also do the same, who will also name our poverty and our riches so that we can begin to see how God is at work in both. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Could it be that Mary was singing to us the good news that God takes all that is rich in each of us and sees through it to our poverty? And could it be that God takes our poverty and sees through it to our deeper riches? Because at the end of the day, poverty and wealth, those are both just masks that we put on ourselves and each other to cover up a whole lot of other stuff. But God sees through it all. Behold that, beholding that good news, that's how transformation happens. That's when we get to a place of offering testimony. And friends, that is our testimony, that God sees through our wealth and our poverty, that God transforms it even. So as we walk these final weeks to Christmas, my challenge to each of you is to have this conversation with someone you trust. Make this conversation the transforming moment of Christmas this year. And let this conversation remind you of what Mary proclaimed to us in Christ, that God the mighty left his wealth and took on poverty so that we can become wealthy in the ways God is wealthy. May this Advent be the time we discover the wealth and poverty of someone else and redefine our own. May this Advent be the one where we get comfortable talking about our testimony, talking about how God is at work in your life and in mine, transforming all that is poor, all that is rich. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Sure, Mary could be singing about herself, Sure, she could be singing about Israel. She could be singing about God. But I think the most radical thought is that she's singing about you and me. I think maybe she's inviting us to sing with her, proclaiming this good news in our own lives. That's how we sing Mary's song. 
And when we can proclaim this, then we know that God is singing a song of joy and hope through each of us. And that is good news to behold. Thanks be to God. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always, always. Amen.